we're in a series called Devoted Finances. And um, how many like what's going on up here on the stage? It's kind of a little wider and it's pretty exciting what God has in store for all of the facilities at Bethel's Rock and some of the things that are happening here. And that happens because you're being faithful in your tithe and we're able to do that on just our operating budget and with the faithfulness of some people in this church who have just blessed this. And so I encourage you to just, uh, can you give the people that have given to that and just give them a hand and say thank you for that. We want to say thank you. Um, you know, we're in... And our culture, and I, I talked about this uh, about a year ago, a year and a half ago, about how we're really in a cancel culture, that if you agree with me, then you're in my culture. If you're not, I'm going to cancel you out of my culture. And uh, most of the time, I would say, oh, if not m most time, I would say that's just a very harmful attitude to have to cancel people out of your culture. But there is something we need to cancel out of our culture, and it is the spirit of mammon. And you say, you, just, you know, I, I talk about a spirit of mammon and canceling mammon. And you're like, well, I don't understand all that. And you won't understand it unless you understand that there is a spirit realm. Like, like literally, there is a whole unseen, invisible world around us that's literally overlapped with the physical world we're living in right now, right here. Like when you were worshiping God, you weren't worshiping a God that is eons away somewhere above the heavens you were worshiping a god that said where two or three are gathered in my name i'm going to come to that party and god was in here that when you come and you ask in prayer concerning something you're not just coming to a person standing at the altar it's as though you're coming to the lord and you're you're talking face to face with that 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 person is almost like a proxy standing there literally agreeing with you and praying with you as though god were standing right there with you because he is but it's when we live without the acknowledgement or understanding of the spirit world that we start to freak out and we get scared because we start to think we're all alone and he's not with us when he's right there and people who live with the understanding of the spirit world live differently than those who can't see it or don't refuse to look at it or accept it there is a spiritual battle going on in this room right now there will be a spiritual battle that will go on over what I'm going to even speak about there is a spiritual battle going on you know this last week um, uh, Alex Preston who is our online campus pastor um, we, we do a podcast on Thursdays and you can catch it online somewhere in the metasphere <laughs> I don't even know what that means my kids my kids are using lingo. I don't even know what they're talking about. I said, you, we sent you to school for English. <laughs> I don't know what all that other stuff is you're using, but the, the, uh, on this podcast this last week, we were talking about angels, and we just go over a lot of different things. If you're wondering about communion or laying on hands, or any, we talk about all of those things, and we're talking about angels. One of the stories that I really just is an incredible story is Elijah was in his house, and the Syrian army had surrounded him and his servant, Elijah's servant, is sitting there. And he's seen the Syrian army and he's like freaking out. And he's like, Elijah, there, there are so many. I mean, there's, there's no way we're going to stop this, Elijah. And you can just, you can almost read in the text what it might have been like. How many have had that person that just freaking out? And you're like, shut up already, right? And Elijah's just calm. And he's like, uh, you know, Elijah, why aren't you, for, why aren't you getting worried? Don't you see it? Are you blind? Can you not see all of this? And they're just like smiling right 
And, and Elijah just says, he says this, he says, Lord, will you open his eyes? And God op didn't open his physical eyes. His physical eyes saw why he's freaking out. And maybe you're in this place as a word for somebody. You're freaking out because all you're seeing is your God opened his spiritual eyes and he saw the angel armies that was surrounding him. And all of the fear left. Do you not think the same God of Elijah is the God of Tom? Is the God say your name? Is the God say your name? Is not the same God of Elijah your God? Then open up your spiritual eyes and relax already. This is extremely important to understand what I'm going to be talking about because I'm going to talk about the spirit of mammon today. And if you don't believe in the spiritual realm, you're going to think everything I'm saying is crazy and want to check me into a psych ward. But if you know that there are principalities and powers and spiritual forces of darkness that are warring right now. And I want to encourage you, listen, I want to encourage you, Farmington, this campus right here. We do a prayer meeting on Thursday nights here. Two people showed up. If we're going to change your city, that prayer meeting has to increase. I want to challenge you to come and pray for an hour together as a community. Will you do that? Because we need to see some, we aren't going to solve the problems with knowledge, and we're not going to solve it with money, and we're not going to solve it with all the stuff the world solves it with. We're going to have to solve it through prayer and action. Come in and go out. Come in and go out. We need a prayer. We need a prayer force flowing out of this place. We need a prayer culture. Amen? So I want to encourage you to come in and be a part of that. So the spirit of mammon, and, and, and I want to tell you, uh, the word mammon is used four times in the Bible, three times Jesus mentions it, and I'm going to give you uh, those times where he mentions it. Look on the screen behind me, which is no longer my TV screen, it's much larger. Apparently, as the congregation gets older, it's harder for you to see. We had to get a bigger TV. <laughs> and it says, and I say to you, make friends for yourself by unrighteous mammon, that when you fail, they may receive you into the everlasting home. Goes on, he who is faithful with what is least is faithful in as much. He who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? And you can underline that if you're reading it. We'll talk about it later. And if you have not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? Then this is, this is pretty incredible, the statement here that he makes, because he doesn't make this statement anywhere else in the Bible where he contrasts serving God and something else. He says, no servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one or love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one. And the word I want you to see, because most people struggle with this, and despise the other. That's a pretty bold word, right? Despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. And then look what it says in Matthew. It says this in Matthew, no one can serve two masters for either he will hate one, love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve two masters. It's the only phrase where he says you can't say that you serve both. 
You either serve one or you serve the other. Now, how many in here are those people that said, you, anytime someone tells me I can't do something, I'm going to do it and prove to them you can. Right? Who's somebody like that in here? Anybody like that in here? Well, I'm going to tell you Jesus says you can't actually do it. And you can try, but it ain't going to work. I'm pretty sure Jesus is right. Right? I'm pretty sure he knows what he's talking about. So there's three questions that I want to pose to you today. Three questions. First one is, what is mammon? Most people would say mammon is money. However, they would be wrong. The answer is really tied to what is unseen. Mammon actually means, in Aramaic, it means riches. It means riches. Most people think it refers to money and stuff and all of those things. You know, we have this saying that he who dies with the most toys dies best or wins. That is a false statement. It is a lie. In fact, you won't find till the end of your life how much of a lie it is. So Babylon, it's, a, it's an Aramaic word that came from Babylon. And if you want to know the story of Babylon, you have to stop and say Babylon slow. Babel... On, okay, what is where? What does the story of Babylon come from? It comes from the Tower of Babel, which means confusion. In fact, Babylon means sown or planted in confusion. Sown or planted in confusion. It was a city that had its roots in com in confusion. In fact, then the story of Babylon is the people believed that they could build the tower that would reach heaven outside of needing God's help. It was, it was the sin in the garden all over again where they pulled out of the tree of life and said, if we have enough knowledge, we can figure it out on our own. We don't need God to get to heaven. We will just build a tower to get there. We will use our own system and our own thinking and our own ability to do what God can only do. Do you, do you see it? The spirit of mammon is this prideful, arrogant spirit of humanity that says we don't need God. We can do it on our own. I don't need to pray. I'll figure it out on my, on, on my own. I don't need to be obedient to what God's saying. I'm going to do it my way. I just need to get to heaven. And so if i got to pray a prayer, I'll pray a prayer and it just get me to heaven. Friend. You might want to stop and consider if that prayer did anything for you. Just because you, by the way, this had nothing to do with my message. Praying a prayer of salvation doesn't send you to heaven. Believing in your heart and confessing with your mouth is what gets you to heaven. If you didn't believe in your heart and confess through your mouth, you can pray and fast for 30 days and you're going to hell. Ooh, I'm not supposed to say that in church anymore. Like hell really exists. Right? The, the reality is when we believe in our heart and we confess with our mouths, then I am saved, and it's through God and God alone, right? How many would agree? It, but do we agree? Do we agree? Because there's a, this attitude. It, it's a spirit that operates in direct contrast with God. It's a spirit that causes us to believe that we don't need God if we have money, I can overcome anything with money. If I win the lottery, it will fix all my problems. If only I won the lottery, Minnesota would fix my problems. 
Mammon is looking for servants. Mammon is looking to rule in your life. Mammon wants you to look to it rather than God. The problem is that most of us grew up looking to mammon rather than going to God. I can't go on the mission strip. Why? I don't have enough mammon. I can't tithe. Why? Because I don't have enough. I'm not giving my God away. I'm going to keep my God. Who gives their God away? I keep my God. You're going to talk to me about giving money? I get really upset. Why? Because you want me to give away something that I worship. Mammon is a spirit. And Jesus is referring to the spirit as a false god of riches that rests on your money. That's what it is. All money that is in your account right now has one of two spirits on it, either the spirit of God or the spirit of mammon. The Bible is very clear. The last three sermons I've preached on this identified the fact that the tithe is the curse in your finances. You bring the tithe to the Lord. When you remove the tithe, you remove the curse, you remove the spirit of mammon off your money, and what is left is blessed by the spirit of God. It rests, it's the spirit that rests in the money. Why? Because you took out the tithe. Some of you are saying, man, this sounds all confusing and, and I just don't know if I believe it. Friend, talk to those who've experienced it. I mean, this is, this is the great contradiction. People who exercise what I'm talking about love messages on this. Why do you think that is? Because they've experienced what God does when they're obedient to his word. And what is it? What is it? We battle not with flesh and blood, but principalities and powers and spiritual forces. What is it that's working against me to be obedient to what God has said? What is it that's working? So the Spirit of God is that according to scriptures, you give the first and to the house of God, and literally the Lord takes the rest and he blesses that he puts his spirit and he and the spirit that he puts on it is the spirit that took five loaves and two fish and fed five thousand people five thousand men actually twenty thousand or thirty thousand people that's the spirit on the finance you say well how am i going to survive on less money you just put the spirit of god on it and we'll find out you'll discover the blessing of that we have no problem believing the miracle of the five thousand feeding the five thousand except when it comes to me i don't know that i'm gonna have faith I can't believe those disciples didn't trust God. Really? Really? It's a matter of faith. It's impossible. It says this. It's impossible to serve two masters. We cannot serve both God and mammon. Either you will love one and hate the other, or you'll be loyal to the one or despise the other. Many people do not realize they actually despise God. They do not read. Anytime something happens and they lose money, something happens with their provision, what do they do? They say they get mad at God. God, where are you? Why am I going through this? Why am I always not having enough? And Jesus said it this way. Jesus said, he said it, the reason, the reason you get mad at God is because you will despise one because you've been loyal to another. You'll despise God because you've been loyal to another. Believers serving mammon. Many of us grew up unknowingly loyal to mammon, serving mammon. The problem that mammon can never, the problem is that mammon can never deliver on its promises. Mammon promises you all kinds of things. 
but always leave you, leaves you never having enough. Never having enough. Mammon tries to take the place of God. Mammon is in direct contrast to God. Literally, mammon promises everything that only God can give you. It's true. Listen, mammon promises us security. If only I had more money, then you, I would be secure. Mammon promises identity. If I had more money, people would like me. Mammon promises us freedom. If, if I had more money to go where I want, when I want, and do what I want, I'd have the freedom I want. Mammon promises happiness. If only I had more money, then I'd be able to wake up happy. Mammon promises us a good marriage. If we had enough money, it would fix all our problems. The problem is only God can give you security. Only God can give you identity. Only God can give you freedom. Only God can give you happiness. And only God can fix the problems in your relationships. Only God can fulfill those promises in your life. But mammon is the spirit of the Antichrist. When you say, oh, no, it's wars and rumors of wars. No, actually, the Antichrist is tied directly to financial systems, the mark of the beast, financial systems, one, or, or one world currency. is all tied to the Antichrist. Mammon operating where it says, you, you got to take the mark. We'll be gone, praise the Lord, but, but Mammon says you better take the marker. You're not going to have enough because money's my provider. If I don't have money, I won't, I won't have what I need. My friend, Jehovah Jireh is my provider. God is your provider. Oh, dear Lord. It's as if I'm speaking, and I, I just feel like the word is just going right. Like, there's some of you, like, you're hearing what I'm saying, but you're not listening. You're not listening. Listen, you don't need money. Silver and gold, have I none. But what I got, I can give to you, and it's going to take your permanent problem instead of giving you a temporary solution. I'm going to permanently fix what was permanently wrong. Hear, hear, oh dear Lord, hear me. What are you freaking out about? God is your provider. He wants to be your provider. That's why he said, my name is Jehovah Jireh, your provider. That's why when you look to money and you say, money, I, I got to have money. I got to get more money. What we're saying is, God, you're not the one who provides for me. This is literally what happens. God, will you give me more money to solve this problem? We only want God to get our God. Rather than to use money for God. We want to get God to serve mammon rather than to get our money to serve God. Jesus never, ever, ever, ever told anyone that the answers to their problems was more money. Ever. Here's a common thought that I often hear. I either need God to come through or I need someone to give me money. I know God told me to go on the mission strip, but I don't have enough money, so I'm not going to do that. I'm going to listen to my mammon. 
which will cause me to despise God. Are you seeing how important what I'm talking about is today? Because it's the only place in the Bible where God draws a line and he says, you either pick, you pick, you pick, you pick. You either serve mammon or, God, or me, but you're not going to get both. I'm not playing that game. I'm not going down that road with you. You, just, you pick because where your heart is, where your treasure is, your heart follows. So I'm not going to be second to mammon. I'm not going to be second to a demonic spirit. You will despise me when mammon doesn't fulfill its promises. You're going to turn and blame me, but you worship it. Mammon is a spirit that tries to take the place of God. Money is never the answer to your problems. If money can fix it, it's not a problem. Only God is the answer to your problems. Only God is the answer to your problems. If God isn't the answer to it, it ain't a problem. It ain't a problem. You need to meditate on that for a moment. Because God answers all of the problems in your life. Whatever it is, God will be the answer. Here's the second question we have to ask. Is money evil? Is money evil? Unrighteous mammon. Jesus says unrighteous mammon in Luke 16. If we think mammon is money, then we think money is unrighteous. But they're two separate things. Mammon is a spirit. So, uh, and if you don't think mammon is a spirit, we'll take an offering right now, and you'll hear that spirit talking to you. Right? How many have said, I felt like God told me to do something, and there was something very clear in your ear telling you why you shouldn't? right? Mammon is a spirit that rests on money. The, the lie we believe is money is the root of all evil, but that's not what the word says. First Timothy 6.10 6, 6, says, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from their faith and their greediness and pierced themselves through many sorrows. Do you know that if God did give people all the money that they wanted and needed, that it would probably destroy people? You really think you can handle? It's like power. Everybody wants power until they get it, and it destroys them. Sometimes God's greatest provision in your life is not giving you all that money. It's protecting your family until you're prepared to handle it. He's talking about the love of money, the love of riches, the love of stuff. It is the root of all kind of Anything that we love, greed and envy and bitterness, resentment, jealousy and pride, money is neutral. So this, this is interesting because, um, and, and, I, and I probably could mention this in the next point, but I don't want to forget it. J having money doesn't mean you worship money. Because if that were the case, all of us, would be worshiping mammon because you are all filthy rich it's proof that money doesn't bring you any of those things because you have more money than 97 percent of the world it only doesn't feel like you do because you're sitting around other filthy wealthy people right some of your, some high schoolers, if you work at Canes, is making $15 an hour, where there are people in Indonesia making $2 a day. Okay? So turn to the next person next to you and say, you know what? You're actually filthy rich. 
I want to show you this verse. Luke 69. And I say to you, make friends for yourself by right unrighteous mammon, that when you fail, they may receive you into the everlasting home. Now, this verse can sound awful confusing. It's hard to understand because it almost sounds as if this verse is saying you should use your money to make friends. And that sounds a lot like the prodigal who went out and used his money to make friends and then nobody was his friend with the money. And it's hard to understand, but what, he's, what you have to understand is the word fail right there. The word fail actually means die in Greek. So that when you die, when you die, uh, it, or expi- it actually means expire, which refers to death, that when you expire or die, that you'd have friends in eternity. So this is actually what the, the verse is referring to. Take your unrighteous mammon and redeem it. What is it saying? Take the tithe. And this is in Luke, by the way. Take the tithe out of your, your unrighteous mammon. Now the Spirit of God rests on it. And this is what he's saying. Redeem it. Use it to build the kingdom of God so you may have eternal friends from those you brought into the kingdom of God. You use your money to go out and find friends for eternity. You're using it to minister to people. You're using it to bring in souls into the kingdom of God. So when you enter eternity, there will be people in heaven because you used what you had. There are some people who use their life to get more money. They're living for ways to find out how to get more money. It's all about getting more toys and more stuff and more everything. I've never been at the deathbed of a single person who said, you know what? I'm, I'm about to die. Will you bring in all my bank accounts? I really just want to see how much money I have. Never happened. Do you know what they want at their bedside? All of the people that they invested in. It goes on. This, when you die, the people that you use your money to bring into the kingdom of God, they will welcome you into everlasting home. You know, my mother-in-law, I, I love her, and I pray she doesn't die for many, many years. But she's already told us one song she once sung at her funeral. <laughs> Maybe you're one of these people, and I'm not mocking it at all. It's a powerful song. But, but when I sing it, it might sound like I'm mocking it. Thank you for giving to the Lord. I am a life that has been changed. Right? How many, how many say, I would love for that to be the case. I would love for my life, people, be in the kingdom of God, to welcome me into the kingdom of God. And, and here's the problem. In order for them to sing that song, you actually got to do something. Or the choir in heaven might be pretty small. You, you actually got to say, I'm going to live my life for people. I'm going to live my life not to get a bunch of money that I'm going to give to my kids, and they don't even want it. Like, some of us are living our life to get money, to buy stuff, to give to our kids that don't even want it. I talked to one, one young adult, or, or their young couple that have young kids, and he says, you know what's annoying is my father-in-law keeps bringing stuff from their house because they're moving out and leaving it in my garage. So I got to pay to throw it away. He doesn't want to throw it away because he spent money on it, right? Some of you are sweating right now. You're like, that's what I do. I thought they want it. They don't want your junk. 
I paid a lot of money for it. Yeah, and they don't care. Right? Or I can invest it in people who last forever. God is the only one that can turn, turn money into souls. God is the only one. Here's the last question. What should I do with my money? Here's the answer. Be a good steward. God does not have a problem with you having nice stuff. If, if you've been faithful and you've been obedient to the Lord and you go out and get a Mercedes, God forbid that you ever, ever judge somebody because they drive a nice car or have a nice home or whatever. If they've been faithful and been obedient to God, you need to, you need to check your heart. God doesn't have a problem with that. But it's when, we t when we're not obedient and we aren't stewarding what God's given us that it becomes a problem where we become, we fall in love with the stuff that we pursue it, that we would be willing to not be obedient to what God is so we can serve mammon. Luke 16, 10 says this, he who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. He who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. There are some who say, hey, pastor, I appreciate this series, but I have too little unrighteous mammon to be concerned with this message. If I had more, I'd really be listening and taking notes, but I don't have very much of it, so I really don't need to be concerned with this whole series on devoted finances. If that's your attitude, that I don't have very much, you never will. You never will. See, it's not how much you're faithful with. It's that you're being faithful, even in the little. If you're not faithful in your tithe when it's $2, you'll never be faithful when it's $200,000. If you're not faithful with what you have, at this, and you say, well, it's a big difference. You know, that's a lot more money than the two. Can I tell you something? It's, if you haven't been faithful when it's small, it's an, almost impossible for you to be faithful when it's large because it would be too much for you. The reality is you'll probably never get to that place. It's not how much. It's your heart. It's your heart. That's why teenagers just start when they're young and learn the heart principle. You know, it's interesting because the world's saying is the rich get richer, the poor get poorer. The kingdom principle is this. Good stewards get more and the poor stewards get less. And you say, well, how is that a kingdom principle? That doesn't sound right. Have you heard of the parable of the talents? The one wasn't faithful with one. What did God do? The master do? He took it from the one and he gave it to the one who had the most. It was to the faithful one, the one who recognized that it was all God's and I'm just working. Please hear the truth this morning. Will you hear this truth? As though it were coming from God's mouth to your ears, will you hear the truth today? This isn't this isn't some attempt to manipulate. This is not an attempt to get you. This is an attempt for you to be set free so that you're not that person that's always never having enough. In a kingdom where God always blesses them with way more than enough. Remember when Jesus went out fishing and they didn't want to go fishing because they'd been out all night during the peak fishing time of the evening and they didn't catch anything, and Jesus says, hey, undo your nets, let's go out and fish, and they're like, Jesus, it's not really the fishing time, we've been out all night, we're a little tired, and they go out, and they fill their boats, not with just enough fish, but fish so that it was sinking the boat, 
when the Spirit of God rests on something, it didn't give them just enough. They had 12 baskets left over. God is the God of abundance because he wants you to be an abundantly giving person. How many believe God's a generous God? Then wouldn't it make sense that he'd want you to be the same way? Wouldn't that make sense? You bring the tithe, that's his. The 90% is yours to steward. Because what he intends as a blessing can become a curse if we're not faithful. Luke 16, 11 says this. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to you your trust, true riches? Do you know what true riches are? True riches are people. People. You know, all this stuff. We have a friend uh, in Michigan. He was a prayer a missionary that came on our staff in Michigan. His name was Andrew Gackle. He would pray and fast for 40 days at a time, never tell anybody. He would just pray and fast. And uh, you would know he was doing it because when you hugged him, you could feel all of his ribs, his rib cage. And I think, I think I found your kidney, Andrew. You know, it's just, it's just, he would just shrink, right? And uh, he used to always come whenever he sees you, Pastor James, hallelujah. He's like 42 years old. Hallelujah. He's, uh, he just kind of spread the joy of the Lord everywhere he went, right? And he used to always see this, man, that's a nice house. It's too bad it's all going to burn up. He used to say that all the time. That's a nice car. It's too bad it's all going to burn up. <laughs> it was a constant reminder of, yeah, that's nice. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. And it's all going to burn up. It's all going to be gone. It won't be around. God is saying, if you cannot handle your money, why would I ever give you people to steward? If you can't handle something that's all going to burn up, why would I give you eternity to handle? and steward what God more than anything what God wants to give you is people is people is people but our heart is what what do I get paid if I do that I mean the attitude of the church has even gotten to the point of if I'm going to do work for the church what do I get paid I go to church to be served and I'm going to talk about this on, on the, at the Last Supper. Do you know at the Last Supper, when they sat down, there was a bowl and there was water sitting there. And they all knew that they had to wash their feet prior to it. And normally they would pay someone to serve to do it. But there was, Jesus had, he had closed the room for the 12 and himself. And of course, Leonardo da Vinci. And they sat there to wait to see who would serve them. They even argued about who the greatest would be. And Jesus gave him an opportunity to be the greatest. And they sat there. And Jesus, the greatest, got up and washed their feet. And only then did their heart change and say, maybe we should have been doing this. It's people. Why, is it, why are the greatest in the world those who serve people? Because they're true riches. They're true riches. Would you rather tra trade your eternal reward for something that will burn up? <laughs> Unbelievable. 
unbelievable. The devil's that great of a liar because he's deceived us. That's how good he's been. That's not hard to comprehend, but he's so good at lying to us that we buy into that. Will you bow your head? I'm going to have the prayer workers come up. The worship team's going to come up. And so there will be a little sound of them rustling around right now, but the prayer team's going to come, and they're going to stand up here in this moment. And while they're doing that, I want you, if you're in the audience, if you could keep your eyes closed, and if you're at the altar and on the team, just keep your eyes closed for a moment. Because I'm going to ask every believer in here to just be courageous, to, to, be, to just be courageous this morning. Okay? Be, just be bold, because there's no judgment in this house. So every eye's closed. Nobody's looking. But between me and your father, if you've recognized this morning that you've been, you've been actually serving mammon and the spirit of the Lord has really been speaking to you, will you take the bold move and just put your hand up? You don't even need to put it up high. Just enough. Thank you, 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 thank you. All over the room. I can't even count them all. Thank you. Put your hand down. Will you stand? Here is this incredible thing that's about to happen. Whenever the Lord reveals truth, the lie goes out the back door and truth comes in and establishes faith inside of us. It changes us. It changes us. Hands all over the room today. Listen, I want to encourage not just people who raise their hand. In fact, if you raise your hand, you don't even need to necessarily do this unless you absolutely want to do this and make a statement and have someone agree. These people are standing here as though God were in the room praying with you. If you need a miracle, if you need a miracle, he is Jehovah Jireh, your provider. You don't need money to fix your problem because it won't. It will only create more problems. But you need God to do a miracle, I want you to come out and wait as long as you have to. They have these that are standing there to agree with you in prayer because God's about to do something in your life because he wants to. Because he wants to. Because he is your full provision. Amen. Do you believe that? Will you just begin to worship the Lord right now? Just lift up your voice. Begin to worship the Lord right now. Just lift up your voice unto the Lord. We exalt you.